And I was walking around my complex, and it seemed like the Holy Ghost is just filling where we live, because we've got believers, you know what I mean, who live where, where we live and everything like that. And I, I like to walk around the circle. And I said, Jesus, if I never preach another sermon, and all I have is you, that's all I want. That's all I want. I never want to confuse my identity with my destiny. I never want to confuse that. And so when I heard that revelation, I was like, wow, God, that's the opening for provision. That when you never allow your identity to be caught up in your destiny, you'll see God's provision in your life. And so um, these next five Sundays, we are going to unpack um, the revelation of God about what provision really is. What provision really is. And before I invite you to pray with me and we pray corporately, um, as Larry was asking me, what is God speaking to you about so we can uh, prepare and, and, you know, make, make a flyer and, and, and get it out there? Um, and hear my heart, people. One of the things that you're going to find, and I, and, I, and I pray this, is I never want, and Megan and I were saying this, we never want this to be a Megan and Rowan show. We never want that. We want this to be a Jesus I'm sincere about that. We want us to be Jesus. And so rarely will we ever find our face on any... Post. And I'm not saying that's wrong, but I want people to be drawn by the presence of God. Call me crazy from a marketing perspective. But I want when you see what God is doing through our marketing and through our media, that you really are pulled by the Holy Spirit and you're drawn here because you want His presence. Amen? Because it's really about God's presence and God's people. And we're just part of a team that God has so graced us to lead. And you are so humble to allow us to lead you every Sunday and every time we get together. Megana, we appreciate the opportunity you have given us to lead you into what God has for you. I, I, I thank you for that. I thank you for that. And so as a result, when the first work was done and it had all these different images on there, and I said, Larry, that, that's not what I feel in my spirit we want to convey. Now, we're going to talk about stuff. We are. Because provision, when you look at it in the de- definition of it, it does speak of stuff. It speaks of supply. It, it, it does. So we can't ignore the need for stuff. Someone say stuff. I mean, Christmas is coming. You know what I mean? You got stock and stuff. You know, you got to stick them in there, right? So we, we need stuff. We need clothing, right? Praise God. We got to cover ourselves, right? Amen. And, and, and so we need stuff. But oftentimes, when we look at the word provision, our mind would automatically go to that because we live in a, in a very prosperous nation. I mean, we really do. Um, you know, the, the, the poorest person in America would be one of the wealthiest persons in other nations. That's not to condemn you. That's, that's for you to recognize where you live. So don't, don't allow the enemy to condemn you like, oh, I've got to give it. No, I'm not saying that. Thank God you live in America. If you never traveled the world, you go over there, you come back and kiss the ground. Amen? Because you live in America. And, and so God has assigned you here. You were born here or, or you came here, but you're here. You're here. And so when the word provision is mentioned, oftentimes it goes automatically to stuff. You, you feel me? And so, you know, we, we, had, we had a house on there and we had money and we had all that. And I said, no, nah, that's, that's not what we wanted. And so, so Larry goes, you know, when I read the definition, I just, I heard this word journey. It was like, I always talk about provision for this journey. And he goes, I have a picture of someone with a, with a backpack on, and they're just, they're just on a journey. And I said, that's it. The Holy Spirit said, that's it. Because what I want to do to the gathering place, what I, want to, what, I, what I want them to receive is that you're on a journey. 
And I'm going to unpack for you revelation of who I am when you need it, where you are on your journey. And that right there captures that image. I said, that's almost like a movie right there. You go to the movie theater and you see coming soon. And so provision is a message that I believe is going to be life-changing for you. So I need for you, number one, to be aware, and number two, to stay awake. Amen, somebody. <laughs> Flash the Facebook on you. Amen, you may get on that funny part of Facebook. You ever see those? You know, I don't know. I'm just joking. Amen. Let, let, let me not go there. Rain me in Holy Ghost. Amen, somebody. Let's pray. Let's do that. Let's pray. <laughs> Did my squirrel thing right there. Hey, let's pray. Kind and gracious God, we thank you. We pray for all those who are here, Lord, in this place. But most importantly, they want your presence. Thank you for what you've already been doing in this place, Lord, working on the hearts. Thank you for the manifestations of healing that are taking place. And for those whose healing hasn't taken place yet, we just thank you, Lord, that it's a, it's a progress, that it's a process. And we thank you. You're doing it. We won't give up. We'll continue to pray because you are the God, Jehovah Rapha. We also pray for those who are watching on Facebook and for those who will be listening um, through different means of technology, Lord God. We just pray for a blessing. Bless you. Lord God, this message, hide me behind the cross, Lord. You have a prophetic word for your people. You spoke to me, said, Lord, I've called you to parent and pastor a prophetic people. And Lord God, I humble myself before you, and I need your Holy Spirit. I need your courage. I need your boldness, Lord, to bring forth this word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And amen. And amen. So provision, we are on a journey. And so as we begin this journey, um, as we begin this journey, there are certain things that we have to understand about being on a journey. I remember there was this reality show of where they were taking these people and they were going to drop them uh, in a certain place. They received a card, they received an envelope, and in that envelope, it actually told them where they were going to be going. And so they can only take what can fit in this bag. That's all they can take. So they were given the destination and they were given this bag and they had to decide what are the things that we will need to survive this journey. They couldn't take everything. They couldn't take all the stuff. They had to take items that they believe would help them on this journey. And so after they would have their bags packed, they would then... Set on this journey. And that is how life begins. The moment you left the womb of your mother, you entered into a journey called life. And I'm here to tell you the reason why you have purpose is because you beat thousands, if not millions of people who was trying to impregnate that seed. So the moment you were conceived, you're already a winner. From the moment you left the womb, you left heaven with an assignment from God. And you're on a journey. And God, as he protected you in the womb of your mother, he will surely provide for you out in this world. Because God has a purpose. So this morning, spiritually or or metaphorically or or however you want to capture this, I want you now to see that you have this backpack that's in front of you. And I want you to put it on now Because you're beginning a journey with us, and I want to thank you for coming on this journey. So go ahead, come on, put on your backpack.
Put it on. Now let me see. Now put it on. You're in school. Put it on. Now some people's backpack is so heavy with all the cares of the world on them. They just stuffed it with things. Things that are no longer relevant. Because uh, they can become rituals and traditions of men. And we oftentimes wonder why our progress is being impeached or, or we can't move as fast as we can because we have, we have things in our, in our backpack. It's like our blanket. I think it's Linus from Charlie Brown that we have to have our blankets with us and as a child, that used to bring comfort to us. And it's okay if you're third and you still have your, your blanket. If you got your binky, something's wrong. Hey, man, if you got that, we're going to have to have a counseling session if you still got that. So on this journey, uh, you reach certain places. And so today we're going to look at the first part of this message that as we begin this journey, the first thing we have to recognize is this. And the title of this particular message in this, in this series is called, In God We Trust. In God We Trust. And so as you begin your journey, um, we want to dive into this particular uh, Statement that is familiar to many of us because if you live in America, this word should be very familiar to you. In God, we trust. I have a gift for every one of you and for every child that you have. I did a hundred of these because I'm believing God. He's going to bring a hundred people into the gathering place so we can pour into them and equip them for this journey. This is a faith move. And I want you to take this envelope, and I don't want you to open it. The Holy Spirit is right where you are, so if I see that you open it. It's like in school, you give them a test. It says, don't turn the paper over. Do not open your envelope. I want you to get one for you and for every child that's in your home. And I want you for the month of October to... to um, to pray over this a gift that we're given to you. Uh, the Lord spoke to me and he said, um, I want you to give back to the church. Oftentimes the church always receives, but now I want to give back to you. And what is in this envelope? I want you to get your, your son or your daughter or yourself if you're single or if you're married or if you're dating. I want you to get this envelope, and I want you every single Sunday to be praying, because in this envelope is the last sermon of the series, but we're going to do it the first part. So we're going to start with the end in mind. Is that okay? So I'm going to give you the end, and we're going to back up, and we're going to start. That's how God operates. He finishes, and then he starts it again. So I want you to take one. we start over here. Follow me, Cameron. Amen. <laughs> I want you to take one and pass it. Each person, so if you have a son or a daughter, take one. We want to make sure that everyone, so if when you get to your house, if someone does not have an envelope, 
um, let us know. We'll get them on, but we should have enough for everybody. We'll start over here as well. And just take one and pass it along. Thank you. So take one and pass it along. Amen. Amen. Come on. You're taking my time. Amen. I've only got a certain amount of minutes, so let's get this. And while you're doing that, once you have your envelope, I want you to go to the book of Philippians chapter 4, verse 19. Philippians chapter 4, verse 19. The journey, the journey, the journey. Why do we need provision? If you're taking notes, why do we need provision? Provision is God's gift of sustaining ability so everyone can witness in God we trust. So provision... It's God's gift of His ability to sustain you and I so everyone around us on this journey that we will encounter will be able to identify and say, in God we trust. That's why we need provision. For the next few weeks, we're going to unpack all of that. I looked in the dictionary and I was trying to get a definition. I read the definition. I looked into the Strong's Concordance for this word provision. And um, here's what I've come up with before we go to Philippians 4, verse 19. Does everybody have an envelope? I want to bring the rest up to me here. Amen. Don't open it. I'll tell you at the end what's, what's in it. Someone say, Pastor Rowe, I'm not going to open my envelope. Pastor Roe, I'm not going to open my envelope. Okay. Just want to make sure you don't fall into temptation. Amen. Okay. Philippians 4, verse 19. And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches. In glory by Christ Jesus. And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Mm. The Apostle Paul is the, thank you Stephen, is the author of this particular book. Many of the epistles and Many of the writings are challenged by scholars who would say, I'm not sure who wrote this book. The book of Hebrews is one of those books that, that many wondered that Paul really write that book because normally Paul's pattern is that he gives his name, he gives some sort of introduction that we can see the consistency of it. And, but in this particular book, we don't, we don't really see that in this book. And so someone questions whether or not it was Paul that wrote the book of Hebrews. Others think it may be Barnabas because of the, the, the explicit knowledge of the Hebrew sacrifice system 
uh, that is so eloquently displayed and, and, and a rich book, the book of Hebrews. We, we need that book to fully understand the, the, the old covenant and, and God's way of, of bringing uh, redemption and redeeming a people. And, and some even said it could be even a woman who wrote the book of Hebrews because of the name not being placed on there and how they viewed ladies back in the first and second century. It, it, it could have been a lady who penned Uh, The word of God. And yes, that's a possibility, ladies, because God has his hands upon your life as well. And and God has great things for you as well. And don't think you're second class citizens, but God, all the way through the book of Luke, we can see God edifying and God building up. Ladies, it was a woman who introduced his birth, and it was a woman that was there at his resurrection. So in between, I believe God still cares about you. Ain't met somebody. And we thank God for that. But the book of Philippians is the book that many and majority agree that Paul did write this book. He wrote this book and it's also known as the the epistle of joy. Paul says, complete my joy by being united together. Now you have to understand that Paul was on his second missionary journey and Paul understands journey, right? And his journey first began when he got his stuff and he got his backpack because of his Hebrew upbringing. He also gives his resume and he says, when it comes to the law, I was flawless. When it comes to zeal, I was on fire for God. And he said that he went and got permission from the religious people because this new movement got started that he didn't understand. A lawyer, a scholar who who knew the scriptures, but God says, but you don't know me. And we can be intellectual and we can have great knowledge that we can defuse a bomb, a nuclear bomb. But if we don't know Jesus, we don't know anything. And here he is now on this journey called the road to Damascus. And how many have been on a road like that where you have been wanting to know this God that you're hearing about? You experienced somebody who was talking about God's provision. And in your own life, you can't recognize, you can't, you can't connect with what they're saying. Your circumstances is greater than their testimony. And so you got your backpack and you put all the stuff in it and you're walking around Trying to silence that which is increasing in your life. The voice, the voice, the voice. And the Apostle Paul begins this journey and he has permission and he's going. And all of a sudden he encounters Jesus. And I'm here to tell you that over in other parts of the world that Jesus is still encountering his people. Whether they're Muslims or whether they're Hindus or whether they're Confucius or whatever their religious belief system is. Jesus loves people. He loves people. And so I know you're on this journey. You, you're, back, you're putting in your backpack traditions of your fathers. But I'm here to tell you this morning that this journey that you're on, this journey requires God's provision for you to fulfill it. Your journey as a husband, you need God's provision. Your journey as a wife, you need God's provision. Your journey as a parent, you need God's provision. Your journey as an employee, you need God's provision. Your journey as an employer starting businesses, you need the provisions of God. Yes, we do, because I said earlier that the provision of God is His sustaining ability. The grace of God is a sustaining ability so people will know in God. We trust. 
in God we trust. And so here is the Apostle Paul. He said yes to God. He said yes on the road to Damascus. He says, it's, I'm not fighting against you, God. No, I'm not. He goes, yes, you are. He says, but I've made provision for you. Go to the same movement you're trying to destroy. And they're going to tell you and give you the roadmap of what I've been doing in your life. And so we need each other. And as we get to the last part of this message, you'll see how important, how valuable you are. I thank God this morning I was able to be out there greeting you as you came in. And as you were walking in, I was just seeing your beautiful smiles on your faces. But you were coming in many with problems, many with things you're challenged by. But you made it. You put on your backpack and you says, I'm going to go to the house of the Lord. Many of you say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I heard a preacher say one time, talking about Job and his journey of pain and his journey of wondering what's going on. And when provision seems to be taken away, that's why we can't live on stuff. You can't live on stuff. You got to live on what we're talking about in God we trust. You've got to live on the source of your provision. And I'm here to tell you, if you can understand the source, God will give you the stuff. And so, here it is now that you came in. Believe in God, if I can just make it to the house of God. You see, God's presence is here in this place. But more importantly, God's presence wants to be in His people. He wants it to be in His people because there's things you're carrying. Things that you are that you are carrying. And so, the Apostle Paul, now I say all that because he said yes on the road to Damascus. He finds himself now, right in this letter, he's in prison. His journey caused him, young people, to be in prison. His journey caused him because he said yes. He said yes to God and it caused him not to be popular anymore amongst the club that he used to be in. And when you say yes to God... Some people are not going to like that. They're going to walk away. They're going to say, I don't know what's going on with you anymore. You're not the same McKenna you used to be before. Why has God into you? He says, I'm on a journey. I can't stay here for so long. I've been, I've been living here and I'm confused. I don't know who I am. I'm confused. And so I put on my backpack and I need to get a revelation of God. And so here is the Apostle Paul Ladies and gentlemen, my brothers and sisters, the Apostle Paul, now, he's in prison, and yet he's able to find joy. Why was that? He's in prison. God, I thought if I said yes to you, that everything was going to be okay. And God said, it is okay. It is okay, Paul, because I'm with you. <laughs> I'm with you in the prison. I'm with you through that divorce. I'm with you in that sickness. I'm with you when they talk about you. I'm with you with that criticism. I am with you. Paul, it's okay. Paul says, count it all joy. Thank God. Jesus, count it all joy. We were watching a video last night of 
of people who said yes to Jesus and goes into the darkest places. They put on their backpack and they get a revelation. And God brings them to the darkest places. Thailand where prostitution and human trafficking is legal and all these other places. And they step in there. And they go in there not to pick a fight but to bring the love of God. And they unpack all the things. And they share the love of God with people. And they say, I'm not here to pick a fight. I'm here to tell you about the love of God. So they have their, their backpack and they're going. And, and the first thing we need to do is to, is to, to take out our, our backpack. And as I begin, um, our foundation needs to be, needs to be the, our source. And so, I don't, know, I don't know how many of you remember. How many of you remember having one of these in your home? In almost every home in America, and even in Canada, when I walked into someone's home on the coffee table, there was always, there was always the compass that would sit there. There was, there was this thing that was there, and, and you would see it around the coffee table, and it was, it was the, it was the, it was the old school. See, we forgot about the, the B-I-B-L-E. For that's the book for me. I stand alone on the word of God. Uh, the B-I-B-L-E. And so if you, have, if you have packed your bag and you didn't pack the Bible, this journey will be a journey of going in circles of total confusion. So sometimes the reason why the backpack is heavy is because you're carrying the cross. You're, you're carrying the word of God for somebody. And the way that it, the load gets light is you got to take out the Word of God. Mm. you gotta, you got to unpack revelation. For it says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. How many of you remember? How many of you remember a Bible like this? <laughs> my girl said, Daddy, what in the world is this? Oh, it's called a family Bible. stood right there on the coffee table. And you were telling people as a family, we're going to journey into God's goodness. We're on a journey to Jesus. Because we want that Emmaus experience of those that walked with him and he unpacked what was going on. And in the midst of chaos, gathering place, if you can experience the resurrection of Jesus, He'll answer the question. You look at what they said. Where have you been? He says, I've always been here. I'm the one that calls this chaos. Mm. By the resurrection, I caused this chaos. So that's why you have conspiracies taking place. And when you encounter God on your journey, young people, you will walk with a boldness because you've got the B-I-B-L-E. I think someone should call the basic instruction before leaving earth. All the fancy acronyms, come on. Amen. The, the basic instructions before leaving earth. Man, this is heavy, I tell you. This is heavy. I mean, you can hold a cell phone, you know what I mean? Let's go to the Philippines for. Try holding one of these. These will build your muscle, amen. Amen. And so I, I called and I said, I wonder who has one of these coffee table Bibles. 
and I couldn't call anybody under the age of 30. <laughs> now, now, Pastor Betty, you know I love you, right? So, I had to call someone from, the, from what we call the active older adults. I said, do you remember the Bible that used to, that used to grace the coffee table? I think I got one. I said, can you bring it? Because it's so appropriate for this message. And so on this journey, gathering place, on this journey, my brothers and sisters, on this journey, make sure, make sure the one tool, the one thing that you have is not the stuff, but you have the source. Make sure, make sure this is the inspired word of God. Huh? Make sure, John, as men, we have this. Lead in our families. Lead in our wives. Make sure that we have the Bible. Don't you think for one moment you can take territory without taking the Word of God. Until God has taken you, you can't take squat. Until you're consumed with His power, you can't walk and take property. No, no, no. No. No, you cannot. B. I. B. L. E. That's the book for me. Amen. So on this journey now, we're going to look. We're going to see why parents, why young people, we must have the Bible. Because they're trying the world. The enemy is to take away on this journey God's provision. Now provision, listen, if you're taking notes, consists of these things. It consists of first the source We're going to focus on that today and then next Sunday. It talks about the supply. It speaks of the staff. And it talks of how to steward the stuff you've been given. So that envelope that you hold right now, when we get to the end of this journey, you're going to be able to steward the stuff that God has given to you. And I'm so excited because the prophetic promises over your life that you're believing God for, that's going to manifest into your life, that God's going to provide thousands, if not millions of dollars through your hands because you know how to steward the stuff that's given to you. And the first thing you have to steward is the gift of God and the grace of God. And when you can steward the grace of God, ready for this, you can steward the gold that God's going to give you. Stay with me. Stay with me. Watch this now. So the first thing in God we trust is we have to get back to the creation. In our school systems right now, they want us to unpack the Bible and pack in all sort of philosophies and all sort of the doctrine of men. And so if you now believe in creation, believe in a God that says, what's wrong with you? That's so outdated now. Don't you know about evolution and everything that's going on right now? And so as we release our kids into a school system that's trying to infiltrate and trying to be very seductive and teaching evolution as if it's a truth, when the reality is still a theory. And it all begins there in evolution. And it's not something innocent. That's why you have to stop the journey right where you are now, unpack the word of God, and get back to creation. I'm not talking about the creation museum in Kentucky. You can go there. I'm talking about get back to creation, the God in the Bible. The God in the Bible that Moses wrote about. That Moses wrote about. So here's the things now when it comes to creation. Here's what we must get out of creation now. And so in Genesis chapter 1, verse 28 and verse 29, we're going to look at now the word of God in creation. It talks about replenish. 
And so in Genesis chapter 1, verse 28 and verse 29, it says, And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. And one try said, Fill the earth, or replenish the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowls of the air, and over every living thing that moved upon the earth. And God said, Behold, I've given you every herb-bearing seed which is upon the face of all the earth, and every tree in that which is the fruit of free yielding seed, to you it shall be me. So right from the beginning, we see God's provision. Right from the beginning in creation. He creates the sun, he does everything, and then he brings man, and he blesses man. And so right from the beginning of the Bible in creation, we see God's provision. Someone says, Yes, I see God's provision. Right from the beginning, and if we believe in the character of God, He doesn't change. He's the same God yesterday, same God today. Guess what? We're still supposed to replenish the earth. Huh? We're still supposed to replenish the earth. That's what God said. That's God's word for us. It's to be productive, to be fruitful. We must be about the Father's business, right? It's called the work of God's hands. You are the work of God's hands, and He's given you His word. He's given you His word. He says, go ahead and do that. So therefore, it's important that we grow. When something is not growing, you're concerned. If your child does not grow, you're concerned. If you're not growing in your marriage, if you're not growing in your family, if you're not growing in anything you're doing, something's wrong. Someone say, help me, Lord, to grow. The Bible says, grow in grace. It's all over there. We've got to grow. We have to. And so we need to replenish. The second thing is rest. In God's provision, there is rest. The Lord has been speaking to me tremendously about this. He says, Rowan, you've got to rest. It's important to rest. And we went to a conference, and where they were talking about rest, and I'm looking at the Word of God, and they're talking about rest. I'm going to preach a message in this series. It's called Living on the Rest. Living on the Rest. And some of us, we're tired from this journey. Come on, folks, we're tired. We're tired of more month than we do have money. Come on. We're tired of getting a medical report. We're tired of all the things we're going through. We just need to rest. And the creation account tells us that rest was in the DNA of God. So we have to rest. We have to rest. But in in Genesis 2 verse 11, I'm going to read this one. Um, um, Watch this down. And it says the name of the river. There was four rivers that that, that came out. And it was interesting that, that this particular river, the first river, the first river, it says... There's gold. Oh, I gotta get spiritualized on this one now. So, they haven't sinned yet. This is God in perfection. And He tells them that out of this garden, out of this place of the replenishing of God, out of this place of the rest of God, He now says there's a river. The first one. There's, there's a river. And out of this river, there's gold. Mm-mm-mm-mm. On this journey, we're going to look at how gold has moved throughout the scriptures. And you're going to see something that's going to be profound, I pray in Jesus' name. Now, if Moses, who was inspired by God to write this, writes under the revelation of God, there is a river, and there is gold. And look what he said, and the gold, it was good. So he tells us then, it's okay to have stuff, just don't let stuff have you. So some of you all, we need to get gold in your hand so you can do the good that God's called you to do so we continue our journey together. Oh, man. My God. 
And so that's the creation account. And so now they're trying to prevent that. They're trying to pervert that. They're trying to, you know, say that that's not the case at all. And so that's the work of God's hands. But watch this now. We now move from creation to now corruption. And this is the work of human hands. As long as we let God do his work, we have provision. But the moment we step in and try to do our own work, it corrupts it. And as long as we let God do the work in us, God will bring about provision. But the moment we try to do it on our own, the work of man's hand, we bring corruption. Good intentions, but we bring corruption. And so the Bible speaks here in Genesis chapter 6. It says the earth was also corrupt before God. Because in Genesis chapter 3, God said, I give you all of this. Abundance. I give you all of this. Just don't touch this. I've given you all of this for your journey. Don't touch this. And what happened? They ate them. Not touch. They ate it. She added the word touch to it. She said, don't eat it. She added, even if we touch it. And it's the first thing. Don't add to God's word. Because you will corrupt it every single time. And she went and said, if I even touch it. God said, I didn't say that. I didn't say that at all. I didn't say that at all. And so we see the work of man. So here are the results of the work of man. Are you ready for this? And we can see this in our nations. We can see this right now. And this might even be in your home. And look at this. The first thing we see is rebellion. Even the earth was rebelling against man. Once corruption took place in. Rebellion. And we find it in Genesis 3 verse 5. The second thing we see is this. We see this. Religion. Genesis 3, verse 7. Then the eyes of both of them were open, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. And so what happens now is a man gets involved. He tries to make things to cover his shame. He tries to cover what's happened, and it will never work. It will never work. Now, it's interesting. It says that they saw that they were naked. That they were naked. I was asking, I said, I said, Megan, asked Richie. I said, I said, do, do you think, do you think when, when, when they were naked that they only covered the, the reproductive parts? I mean, did, did you think Eve covered her chest as well? Do you think that? And first, our mind thinks, well, I, w- I would think so. I think, yeah, but there are tribes, there are people in other nations who, who the ladies, they just cover the, the, their lower parts, the reproductive parts. They, they don't cover up here because that's the part of life. That's the milk. That's nurturing. That's giving life to things. And they cover here. I said, God, so what, what are you telling me? God is saying. When you put your hands to something, and you take my hands off of it, you can't produce. And you're unprotected. Oh, God. So Joseph now, in the book of Genesis, his brothers come down from Canaan to come and get grain because there's a famine. And Joseph recognizes them, but they don't recognize Joseph because now he's dressed like an Egyptian. But he recognizes them because he knows Hebrew. Because his destination can't change his identity. Ooh, good God Almighty. Oh, let me say it again, because somebody needs to hear that. Come on, somebody. If you know the journey of Joseph, you'll recognize that though they tried to change his destination every single time, they couldn't change his identity. Couldn't change his identity. And so here it is now that Joseph sees them. And Joseph says something very significant. Because Joseph is the prime minister, the second in command in Egypt. Now, Pharaoh is the only one that's above Joseph. So what Joseph says happens. Pharaoh goes, every issue. Joseph, you in control of it, except for the throne. 
And that's why I'm talking about the church to get leadership. Because what will happen again, I prophesied this. I'm believing God for this. We're going to pray intercede for it. That the church will rise to a position again where we say, this does say of the Lord. America does say of the Lord God Almighty. And you can take the White House, but you cannot take my house. You will not take my house. And God says, they surely can't take my house. And so here is Joseph now in a place of elevation, just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, this place of elevation. Get prepared. Listen to me. Listen to me. On this journey, you're about to get some elevation. Get ready. You've been faithful over a few things. And on this journey, you thought God forgotten you, but God has not forgotten you. God knows exactly where you are. Your time is coming. Come on. Your time is coming. Don't let evolution get into your mind. Come on, somebody. Because you've been waiting so long, you think God's forgotten, but God says, no, baby. It's like I'm playing chess. Hallelujah. And I'm moving people strategically where they got to be. You just need to hold on. Don't expose yourself. Come on. Don't expose all your cards. You got to hold on. You got to hold on. And so here he comes up and Joseph says something very profound. He said something that was a military term. He says, I know why you guys have come down here. Now he's playing with them because he's remembering all the pain. Joseph, though he was promoted, still had stuff in his backpack. He still had stuff in his backpack. He still had things in his backpack. He still remembered his brothers lying on him. He still remembered when he told them about the dream. Come on, somebody. He told them about the dream. I thought it was a safe place to tell people about my dream. I told you about my dream, and then you tried to destroy me. And even though God was in him, was with him at Potiphar's house, he was accused. And so in his backpack, he still had the accusation that was told about him that he was trying to rape, trying to rape this woman and the accusation and his credibility and everything was going. And so here it is now. Joseph probably said, my time for redemption. Joseph, take your hands off it. Because at the end of the journey, God gives a revelation. What they meant for evil. God meant it for good. And that didn't come till Joseph took out the B-I-B-L-E. And when he gave birth to two kids, he called one that God caused me to be fruitful. But God also calls me to forget. And until you can give birth to forgetfulness, come on, and fruitfulness, you will never walk in the promises of God he has for your life. Are you with me, somebody? He had to give birth to, to I have to forgive. I had to give birth to that. I can't be promoted next to Pharaoh and still have some things on my backpack. And there are people God wants to promote you, but you got so much things in your backpack. I oftentimes tell people when I do counseling, I said, on your honeymoon, the plane couldn't get off the runway. You got so much baggage. Come on, somebody. This ain't Southwest Airlines. Come on, somebody. This is not some airline where you can carry how many bags you want. You can't carry those bags of the past. You can't carry those bags of resentment. You can't carry those bags of all those things. Get them out. Don't even check those bags. Come on, somebody. If they got security that's checking what you're bringing in. The Holy Ghost is a security that when you check your bag says, nope, you can't bring that. You can't bring that. I feel God in this place. Oh, good God Almighty. Thank you, Holy Ghost. I, I can't finish this. I'm, I'm done. Watch this now. Holy Ghost is watching. Yeah, I thank God amongst people who says, preacher, follow the Holy Spirit. Thank you. I will. Oh, good God Almighty. Here it is. Here it is. Here it is. He comes to them and he says, he says, I know why you're here. And I'm preparing a message that's going to be called the nakedness of a nation. 
When a nation is naked, they can't produce. And so here Joseph says to his brothers when they came down, his brothers come down, he says, you guys are spies. And you've come to see the nakedness of the land. He says, you've come to take advantage of the famine. Your motives are not pure. Now, Joseph was doing this, I believe, because he was mad. He was angry. And there are times when we step out of the grace. Let me rephrase that. We never do. We allow the flesh to come in. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Whew, praise God. Huh. Amen. So you got to wait on the Lord to give you the right revelation. He says, no, 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 bro. Say it this way. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Uh-huh. Because he's walking in the grace of God. But he was remembering the journey. He was remembering the journey. He was remembering the journey. Why have they done this to me? God, you gave me this dream. Why? Why are they doing this to me? And so they, his father said, go see how your brothers are doing. Joseph says, okay. And he's going to family. He's walking to family because his father gave him instruction. His father said, go see how your brothers are doing. And Joseph gets his backpack on. And he takes his journey to go see how his brothers are doing. And they see him from a distance. And they said, there's that dreamer. There's that dreamer. Let's kill him and see what will happen to his dream. Some of us, some of us, are wondering what has happened to our dream. And we've allowed people's words and what they've said to kill our dreams. And we're now carrying around dead dreams in God's house. And we prefer religion because it doesn't require anything. As opposed to a relationship where I've got to take the backpack off and unpack the pain. So I'd rather just be in a place that's religious. And what happens is our nakedness is exposed. And we are unprotected. So Joseph now goes and he says, revenge. I'm now the one in power. And you can't be in a place of power if you still got pain. No, 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 no. No, it may work for a little bit, but you've got to give that back to Jesus because he's promoting you. He's promoting you. I cannot be in a place of pain because when my daughter comes and says something, I cannot get to, to bring back that which happened to me and says, no, the curse no longer has effect on me. In Jesus' name, every generational curse is broken off of my life. God, you have always been with me. And so Joseph's responsibility to protect the nakedness of a nation. And so, when they were in God's presence, Adam and Eve, 
They were naked because the glory of God covered them. And when they came out of God's presence with this corruption, now they can see things and, and take advantage of things. And so Joseph, Joseph says to his brothers, you've come to see our nakedness. Our unprotected areas that we have sown fig leaves around. They did that. They sowed fig leaves together and made covenant for themselves because they said, the only way we can be in relationships is if we work at it. And we cover the place of intimacy, the place of birthing. So if you're in an environment where you can't produce, if you're in an environment where you can't birth things, you get frustrated. Huh? You get frustrated because God says you need to replenish. And I'm talking about birthing relationships. That's the ultimate one that God has. Is how do we birth relationships? So on this journey, we have to understand that we've got to unpack those things. And because here is Joseph, and I said, you come to see the nakedness. America, if we don't protect the dream, nations will come and take advantage of our chaos. The politicians are trying and they're failing to where their trust level now is so low that they're not trusted anymore. And I'm here to tell you that the church will never have that said about them, that we can't trust you anymore. So we have to protect the places that we are vulnerable. And we protect that, listen to me, through relationships. So on your journey, your assignment is this. In the midst of corruption, you must bring back in creation. You must bring back the work of God. And the work of God is what the Holy Spirit is doing right now in your life. And so we have to be led by the Holy Spirit so people can see the creation of God and they can see that God is doing the work in our lives because we have given everything over to Him. And as we allow the work of God to penetrate our hearts, as we allow the Word of God to penetrate our homes, people will see and know that there is a God and they can say, In God we trust. In God we trust. In God we trust. The result is rebellion. The result is religion. And it's not working. It's not working. So on this journey, where are we right now on this journey? Let me, let me leave you with this. the destination I can see where I need to go what do I have to do right now and here's what I believe the Lord is saying you need to learn to wait because he is in the waiting Joseph, I know it's been years, but I'm in the waiting. I know you're in prison right now, 
And even in prison, you're using your gift. And your gift got them free, but you're still in prison. Good God of mine. Mm. The very gift I gave you, you're using it in prison, and you're still in prison. But Joseph, gathering place, God, creator, your provider, he's in the waiting. Mm. He is in the waiting. He he is he is in the waiting. And Psalms thirty three says this at the latter part I will wait on the Lord. Oh good God, let's go to that. Let's go to Psalms thirty three. Because we need to be waiting. Why are we waiting for? We're waiting for a revelation from God. Come on. Jesus never moved until the Father told him, go now. And so we've got to be in the waiting, waiting. And, and as a people, we have microwave, and three seconds is too long now. And we go to a drive through and it's just taking too long now. And we want everything to be microwave. We want a microwave miracle. But we don't know how to wait on the Lord and be of, and be of good cheer. Come on. America, we're waiting. Ah, God, I feel his Holy Ghost power in this place. Listen to what he says. He says in verse 29, our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield to God Almighty. For our hearts shall rejoice in him because we have trusted. Ah, God, let me read that again over here, over here, over here. Y'all pulling me more than everybody else. Watch this. I got my backpack on now. And I've got to unpack this revelation. Hear what it says. Our soul, mind, will, and emotion. The part of us that was penetrated by that word spoken over us. The soul part of us is saying, my soul does what? It waits. Doesn't worry. It waits. For the Lord. He is, say it church, our help. Not just my help. He's our help. <laughs> so I need your prayers. Come on somebody. Paul in Philippians 1 says it's because of your prayer salvation is coming to me. I'm in prison but don't stop praying. I got my backpack on, but don't stop praying. It doesn't look like I'm making progress, but don't stop praying. I'm coming. I'm coming. Pray my deliverance through. Joseph is in prison, but he's waiting. He is our help and our shield. From our heart, for our heart shall rejoice in him because we have trusted in his holy name. And here's the cry for America now. Here's the cry from every heart. Here is the cry now when we get to this place. Let your mercy, O Lord, be upon us. Just as we have hoped in you. I have my notes here to talk about the currency and, and how in God we trust was on, the, was on the coins. You wonder why it was on there? Because a preacher went to someone in Congress, someone up in the, in the political realm, and says, there needs to be some recognition 
of the Almighty God on our currency. A preacher did that. Wrote a letter. And in response to the letter, he says, yes, because the strength of our nation. The strength of our nation comes from the Bible that we've been carrying. And there's a generation, thank God, for a generation who has carried the word of God into where we are right now. And I know you're wondering, generation that did the work, what's going on? God says, I'm in the waiting. I'm in the waiting. I'm in the waiting. And here is Joseph now. He's in prison. He shares his dream. They get out. Whatever God says, it happened. And Joseph says, please don't forget me when you get promoted. Don't forget me when you get promoted. We need relationships. Don't forget me. And here was Joseph now. As I read the scripture, the only one left. I'm all alone again. I'm not in the pit anymore, but I'm still alone. See, being alone doesn't matter where they place you. It's not connected to geographic. It's your soul. And he's back in prison again. He says, I saw this before. But as I waited over here, I believe it was Judah that pulled him out. I believe it was Judah, I think. It was praise that pulled him out of the pit while he was waiting. And here he was now in prison. And it was Pharaoh that pulled him out. Because God gave a dream to Pharaoh that nobody else could interpret. And then finally he said, the person who got delivered, my bad. My bad. Oh my goodness. Pharaoh said, I had a dream that's going to change the destiny of this nation. It's going to affect the world. This is not just about Egypt. This dream that God gave Pharaoh was for the world. And he calls his musicians, he calls his scholars, he calls everyone that he knows and says, interpret this dream. And nobody can interpret this dream. But the one who had this dream interpreted, that saw the work, I said, my bad. Church, I'm going to preach a message called, my bad. The world's been asking, come on, come on, come on. The world's been asking, what's going on? I'm getting dreams, but I can't interpret them. And here we are as the church speaking, we're alone. And we're wondering what's going on. God is in the waiting. Oh, God, I got one minute to get this on. You got you to run. Thank you. Jesus, help me, help me, help me. Because, so in the pit, Judah, he was saying, come on, help me. He was giving praise. If you're in a pit right now, come on, give God praise. <laughs> if you're in a pit right now, come on, give God praise. You, you were looking for your family, come on, but you're the black sheep of the family. They disowned you, come on, somebody. You told them about Jesus, come on, you're in the pit. But start to lift your hands and move your feet, come on, and start to give God praise because you won't. You won't be in the pit forever. You're on a journey. Hallelujah. I feel like running. I feel like shouting. I feel like dancing. Come on. Hallelujah. My soul waits for the Lord. You've got 
to do something. Come on, somebody. Joseph was doing something. He was moving. He was like, why am I here? He was doing something. He was waiting. He was doing something. Not because of his personality, but because he needed God's presence. He obeyed the Father. It was the Father's message to him. And many of you called into ministry. And you've gone to where God has called you. You had a message from the Father and they rejected it. They rejected it. And they put you in a pit. But you had a pity party instead of praising God. Stop the pity party. Put your backpack on. Get your B-I-B-L-E. And start giving God some praise. Come on. He's in the waiting. He's in the waiting. I need someone to open up their mouth and shout. He's in the waiting. Marianne, I know you've been wondering, but he's in the waiting. Good God Almighty. I've got to move Rowan. I've got to orchestrate things. I've got to move things out of his ways. I've got to make him go down so he can go. God Almighty. I'm about to release you and stay here by myself and preach this thing. I gotta tell Pastor Miller, I gotta join your service, man, because I can't leave here. He's in the waiting. He's in the waiting. So the pit and Pharaoh, come on. Uh-huh. Both were, both were the plan of God, but they didn't change who he was. So here he's now. My bad. I forgot that there was a prophet. And I don't know how he got into prison, but there was a prophet. When I go into prisons, I I share this message, the gift that was locked up. And how God used prison to release it. The book of Philippians came out of someone who was in prison. What did Paul do when he was waiting? He wrote. Oh God. I know you gotta go, but Father, I pray an, an authorship anointing on somebody here. You got a book to write, good God Almighty, you got music, you got something inside of you now. While you're not being used, quote unquote, he's in the waiting, start writing. Start writing. Start start putting your vision out. Start start writing that down because because the time is coming. You're on this journey. Start writing. He's in the way now. So here he is now. He says, he says, there's someone that I can call. And so they came to prison. He said, Joseph, you've been summoned. Because nobody can give direction to Pharaoh. And our life depends on you interpreting this dream. And he walks up. And I end with this. Joseph says, It is not me, but it is God who gives the interpretation. He's the source of the provision. In the midst of every place I found myself, when I had a lot of stuff in Potiphar's house and when I had nothing in prison, he was my provider. He is my provision. So take courage. Take courage. Every hand raised, every eye bowed. If you're here, you've been waiting on making a decision for Jesus, 
don't wait anymore. He has a plan for your life. He has a purpose for your life. He wants to commission you and release you into the work of God that God is doing. I love you, Gathering Place. I do. I do. I do. But Lord, teach us how to wait. 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 Joseph now goes before Pharaoh and says, Your dream is from God. And we have to learn how to lead. Mm. We have to know how to lead. Every one of you with your hands raised, with your head bowed, everyone in the sound of my voice, listen to me. You've been called by God to lead. You're on this journey. And God is your provider. So I pray a blessing over you. If you don't know Jesus, accept him right now as your Lord and Savior. He's been with you in the pit. He's been with you everywhere you've gone. He has never left you. He wants you. He's pursuing you. He's passionately going after you. And I speak to every dream inside of you. I speak to it. Provision. And my God, my God, shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. So take courage. Work on issues you have to work on. Seek his face. But we must prepare to lead. Father, bless your people now. Bless your people. Now, the envelope that you have, you can open it. In it is a $1 bill. Listen to me. It will be the smallest seed this church will ever give you. I prophesy that. It will be the smallest seed you'll ever get. It's your first fruits. Now, on your journey, I want you for the month of October... Meet as a family and pray and ask God, what do I do with this $1 bill? Until God tells you what to do with it, don't do anything with it. Learn stewardship because if you can handle a dollar, God will give you a million. Teach your children what it is to know that God is the source. And in your envelope, there's a card. I want you to invite someone to come to this provision series that we're doing. Invite someone and say, God is your provision. And I want you to invite them. Please do this. Take your children. Take your spouse. Your girlfriend. Whatever. And sit down with them. And says, we are going to learn the provision of God. Because we are an answer to somebody. Take that time this month. Listen to me. I'm being prophetic now when I'm speaking this. Take the time and sit down. Say, what will we do with this $1 bill? Because in God we trust. He's our source.
Because he said, the first river, there was gold. Not the second, not the third, the first. The word proton. He first sent apostles. And I come in there with an apostolic voice. You haven't figured that out yet. He's called me with an apostolic voice to this city. If you haven't figured that out yet, let me just reveal it to you. I come with an apostolic voice to this body of believers and to this city first. This is where I came when I came to Ohio. First. And so for this season, God wants you to know you're not alone. God bless you. Greet someone, hug them, and let them know you're not alone. We'll see you next Sunday. In Jesus' name. Thank you for allowing me five minutes over time. God bless you. I love you all. In Jesus' name.